I want to call your attention now to two portions of Holy Scripture, one that we read of a few moments ago or read from, and that is Galatians chapter 4. And then when you have found that, 1 Corinthians 15, Galatians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. We will read first from Galatians chapter 4, verse 11, where the apostle says, I am afraid of you, or I'm afraid for you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And then in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, we read these words, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The apostle, the same apostle, by inspiration tells the Corinthians that their labor is not in vain. And he tells the Galatians that he is afraid that he has bestowed labor upon them in vain. The apostle speaks in both texts of labors, which are obviously gospel labors, the the work of, of the Lord, the work of the gospel in particular, serving the Lord in general, but evangelism in particular. And he speaks of these labors on the one hand not being in vain and on the other hand of possibly being in vain. And so we we have what appear to be contradictory statements. We know, of course, that the word of God never contradicts itself. It is God's word and he does not contradict himself And his word reflects his perfection. So what are we to make of these passages? Well, that's what we want to pursue here today. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and the preaching of it now. The short answer, of course, is that these passages speak in different senses. In one sense, labor for the Lord is never in vain. In another sense, labor may be in vain, but it's not the same sense. And it is worth mentioning that the word vain in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is not exactly the same as the word 
vain in Galatians 4.11, two different words really, uh, not even the same uh, root or anything. But they are synonyms and they mean virtually the same. Both terms mean empty, to no purpose, to no effect, or a waste. So, again, we have, in one sense, labor for the Lord is never a waste. And on the other hand, it may be a waste. So let's consider these two concepts and and what we may learn from them here today. We'll begin in 1 Corinthians and consider how labor for the Lord is never in vain. It's never a waste. It's never to no purpose. It's never empty. In the context of this verse, we see heavenly glory and even a glorified body awaits every believer in Christ. The apostle has set forth the doctrine of the resurrection of our bodies based upon the resurrection of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, his resurrection from the dead bodily implies and accomplishes our bodily resurrection also at the last day. And so the victory that we have in Christ is a total victory It is not only a victory for the immaterial part of of the redeemed, but also victory for the material part, our earthly body, our physical body, which will be raised up as a glorious body, a heavenly body. He calls it a spiritual body. And he speaks of this victory both in uh, verse 54 and in verse 57, quoting from the book of Isaiah, death is swallowed up in victory. And verse 57, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In redemption, all enemies are conquered, even death. No enemies are left standing on the field of battle. And our service to the Lord then in this life and on this earth and in this body will be more than rewarded in the glorified state with Christ in heaven and forever. And when... Believers arrive in that happy place. There will be no regrets whatsoever for having labored for the Lord. Then we will rejoice looking back and saying, it was not in vain to serve the Lord. It was not in vain to labor for Him. No matter how difficult the labors were. And how costly the labors were. 
Regardless of disappointments on earth, we will rejoice with perfect joy in that day as we see God's purpose in all things fulfilled. We see the final resolution of all things. We will look back and say God's blueprint was a perfect blueprint. Nothing was in vain. Labors that we thought were a waste were not a waste after all. And the scripture does use the word reward. More than once in this context, there will be a reward for our service to him. First Corinthians uh, Chapter 3, earlier in this letter, Paul says, Every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. We read in Hebrews that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Jesus, at the end of the book of Revelation, says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. Not teaching salvation by works at all. Certainly, those whose works have been evil will be condemned on the basis of their works. Our redemption is on the basis of imputed righteousness. But the good works of believers will be brought forward as evidence, a public evidence for angels and men to see of a right standing with God. As the psalmist says in Psalm fifty-eight, eleven: verily, there is a reward for the righteous. And whatever form the reward takes, we know that the criteria is faithfulness. The Lord spoke the the parable of the talents there in Matthew 25 and twice over says, well done thou good and faithful servant. The criteria is faithfulness. It's not necessarily fruitfulness or quantity of fruit. It is faithfulness to him. And so as long as we are faithful to the Lord, our labor is not in vain. In terms of the glory that we shall enter into at last at the end of this world. But. Our labor for the Lord is not in vain, even on earth. Because God will bring fruit from our labors according to his will, in his way, and in his time. And God's way and time are usually not immediately. There's usually a long time of labor and patient waiting. And we don't see the fruit that we want to see. There's lots of sowing and watering, to use the the terms that Paul uses here again with the Corinthians. And once once the seed of the gospel has been sown, there's more watering. And yet more watering. And usually yet more watering. Watering with prayers and tears and words. But we know that God 
will see to it that his word will not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, he says, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Our labor is not in vain on this earth, though we don't see the fruit immediately. We know that in God's purpose, there will be some fruit. Think even of the ministry of our Savior himself. When after three and a half years of labor and self-denying toil in the Father's will who sent him, the effect of his labors seems all but lost and wasted as his friends all forsake him and his closest associate denies him and he dies alone on the cross of Calvary forsaken by man, forsaken by his Father in heaven. And that scene is spoken of prophetically by the prophet Isaiah in these words, Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Looking at Christ on the cross, you might say his labor was in vain. But that passage in Isaiah goes on to speak of the Son's ongoing trust in the Father and the long-term fruit of His labor, not only among Jews, but among Gentiles. And so even in our Lord's case, we, we see a marvelous example of His labor not being in vain. Again, consider this perspective. God is glorified in our labors for him. He is glorified in our service to him, regardless of the effect that it has on others. I remind you of what Paul says to the Corinthians in the next letter in chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. He says we're never defeated. We have victory every time. How so? And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. That's those that perish. And to the other the savor of life unto life. Paul says God is honored by the proclamation of of his truth, 
regardless of the effect of that truth. God is glorified by the announcing of the gospel. The the declaration of the glad tidings, regardless of whether people believe it or not, He is pleased with our obedience to his great commission, regardless of the fruit from it. And in that sense, we always triumph in Christ. In that sense, our labors are never in vain. Like the watchman on the wall of the city that we read of in the book of Ezekiel, we sound the alarm. God is glorified in the sounding of the alarm. Who hears it and obeys it or disobeys it is in God's hands. But we must sound the alarm and God is glorified in that. And another way to consider that our labors are not in vain in the Lord is our labors benefit our own soul more than we realize. It does us good to endeavor to reach others with the gospel. Every time we give the gospel to someone, it strengthens us. We refresh its power in our own heart. There's various ways that this is stated in in other realms, but one way is to say this, the teacher always learns the most. And so it is. The one who gives the gospel benefits from it the most. And Paul even addresses this quite directly to Timothy <clears throat> in these words. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul says, Timothy, you will benefit from your gospel labors. As you endeavor to give the gospel to those around you, it will do your own soul good. And so... In that sense, our labors are not in vain, never in vain. Even if no one else benefits from it that that we can see or measure, we know that we ourselves benefit from it. And so, we can say, therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, Christian friends, be steadfast. Let us be steadfast unmovable and always abounding in the Lord's work. When there are seasons of drought and what appears as fruitlessness and when these are long seasons, we must continue to be faithful. We must not be discouraged. We must not give up and say it's in vain. It's for nothing. We must continue zealous for the Lord 
and His glory and His truth. We must not say, as some did in Malachi's day, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept His ordinance? Let us remember that God's season of reaping will come. And it may come later than we think. It may come after we have left this earth. Others may reap where we have sown. And we wanted to reap, but it wasn't God's will for us to reap. And it's His will that someone follow and reap. But we must continue to sow and to water. The saying is that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Well, the martyr never lives to see that, does he? I mean, he loses his life. But God brings good out of the death of a martyr. His cause goes forward in, in surprising and mysterious ways through the blood of martyrs. And so let us understand that God is always at work in some way. God is always at work, though it's beneath the surface, behind the scenes. God is always at work. I think I told you recently of of this story, but let me refresh it in your memory again. I read recently of a minister in Ireland back about a hundred years ago, I suppose. And on his deathbed, he lamented that all of his children, all six of them, were unconverted. And he had prayed and labored over them for many years. And he said something like this, I could face death with more joy if I knew that even one of my children was a believer. After he died, not one, not two, but all six of his grown children became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of them became a minister in a large church, a fairly large church there in Ireland. That man went to his grave wondering if his labors had been in vain, but they weren't in vain. And let us, we don't know what will happen after we're off the scene of this world, but know this. Our labors are never in vain. We have God's promise concerning it. We have the exhortation of Galatians 6 based upon this very principle that God will give a harvest when he is pleased to give it. And he may simply use us in a, in a generation to preserve the truth and pass it on to a generation that will enjoy 
revival of a true kind. And so he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We do not know when God's due season will come. It may be tomorrow. It, it may be next year. It may be in 50 years. Whatever the case, we must not faint. It's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of effort and energy to serve the Lord and to labor for him. And so, beloved, let us continue on knowing that our labor is not in vain in this sense. God is glorified and God will use it to accomplish his purposes. Now, let's look at the Galatians passage for a moment. And here we see, again, the apostle says, I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. How can labor for the Lord, on the other hand, be in vain? It is in vain when the object of our efforts and the object of our prayers and and concern and labors remains lost in sin and ultimately dies in his sin or dies in her sin and receives no saving benefit from the labors. As far as that individual's soul is concerned, there's no fruit, and the labor bestowed was in vain. It didn't do them any lasting eternal good. In this sense, then, when someone is saved, the labor of the evangelist is not in vain, but when one remains lost, the labor is in vain. And that's the sense in which the apostle is speaking here and in some other passages. Labor for the Lord is in vain when those who have heard the word do not mix it with faith so that it becomes profitable. That's the terminology you recognize from Hebrews chapter 4. It's a question of profit. Does this soul profit from the word that he has heard? In the context of Galatians 4 here, labor for the Lord may be in vain and is in vain when those who appeared promising for a time turn out to be a huge disappointment. And those who professed the gospel end up, over time, turning away from it, apostatizing. That's what Paul is concerned about here with regard to the Galatians. He says there in verse 20, I stand in doubt of you. He says back in chapter 3, verse 4, Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? 
Early on, they suffered for their faith. They were faithful to Christ. Now the Judaizers have come in and, and infected them and poisoned them, mixing works and grace together, mixing circumcision and the blood of Christ together. And Paul says, I'm worried about you. Maybe my labors there in the region of Galatia have all been a waste as far as the profit to your souls is concerned. It's a very sad thing to read here, this letter to the Galatians. In so many words, Paul says, have I exerted myself to no purpose? Is there no lasting fruit from you all? We see something of the heart of Paul here in this, don't we? He was no cold-hearted academic who had no concern about the people that he blew the, 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 the trumpet of alarm to. Don't take what I said earlier as anything in that direction. Paul earnestly desired the salvation of these people. When he sounded the trumpet of the gospel, he sounded it as loud as he could and with all of his heart. Such a good example for us in our labors for the Lord. He was zealous. He was hearty. We see his concern not only for the Galatians, but listen to what he says here to those in Thessalonica. He'd been there for a short time. The Lord wrought marvelously in a matter of a few weeks. Then he has to move on. And uh, he, he was eager to hear something from Thessalonica. How are they doing? And when no word came, he begins to worry. So he says to them, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. He sends Timothy, go back to Thessalonica, find out what's going on there. How are they doing? Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. He didn't want his labors to be in vain. He wanted the Thessalonians to continue to persevere. And so then when he heard a good report from Timothy, oh, he's relieved, he rejoices, and, uh, and he says this, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. He says, you were truly converted after all. And your continuing faithful to the Lord is proof and evidence of your conversion. He says, again, something similar to the Philippians. He says to them in in this portion where he's admonishing them and charging them to Work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Holding forth the word of life, he says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. 
Paul says, as long as you continue faithful with Christ and persevere in the faith, then I'll know that my labors were not in vain with regard to you. This is a theme that he picks up again and again. Listen to Second Corinthians. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. The Apostle John speaks the same way in Second John. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. John speaks there of his reward being the faithfulness of his readers. Otherwise, his labors for them were in vain. So this is how labor for the Lord can be in vain. When the object of our efforts remains lost, when those who made a profession retract that profession and return to the world and closely related to that, when those who professed a pure gospel turn to a diluted gospel and mix grace and works, faith and law, Christ's merits and our own merits. Again, here in Galatians, we read in chapter 5, verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. Again, those who deny the bodily resurrection of Christ believe in vain. Paul says that at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. And so these passages must be understood as speaking in different senses. In one sense, labor for the Lord is never in vain. He rewards it. He's glorified by it. It does our own hearts good. But our labors may be in vain as far as any individual soul is concerned if they do not believe the gospel and continue steadfast with Christ. Now, let me draw all of this together by reminding you of one of our Lord's parables that brings all of this into clear focus. There's a farmer who goes to his field to sow seed. It's planting time. And he has a bag full of seed. And he puts his hand in the bag and begins to scatter, broadcast the seed. He scatters it freely. And there's all kinds of ground around him. 
Some of the ground is hard packed. And the seed cannot penetrate. It just lays on top the earth and birds come and eat it. Some of the ground is rocky. And there's not enough earth there to sustain life. So there's just a short burst of growth, but there's no fruit, no harvest. Some of the ground is overgrown with thorns. And the seed cannot compete with the thorns. The moisture is all soaked up by the thorns. And the seed never grows. There's never a harvest from that. But there is some good ground which has been prepared and the seed falls into that ground and it grows and it thrives and it flourishes and at the end of the season the farmer reaps a harvest from it. Now the question is, was the broadcasting of the seed in vain? Was the labor of the farmer in his field that day in vain? Well, no, in the sense that he reaped a great harvest from the good ground. But on the other hand, we might say, in another sense, his labor of sowing was in vain in that there was a lot of wasted seed that did not bear fruit at harvest time. In broadcasting seed, there's bound to be some waste and some loss. There's no such thing as surgical planting in the work of the Lord because we don't know where the good ground is. Sometimes we think we found some good ground and it turns out that it wasn't. And we think that this ground is surely no good, but by God's grace, it was good ground after all. God had prepared the ground. We just couldn't tell by looking. And in order to reach the good ground, We must scatter the seed on the bad ground or the ground that will bear no fruit. God will see to it that there is a harvest and he will honor the effort in his way always. And you know the spiritual application the Lord made of that parable. Some hearts are hardened. And it's as if they hear nothing at all when the gospel comes to their ears. Some make a profession but abandon that profession later when the cost becomes too great and when persecution arises. And yet others never overcome their cares of this present world. And they're seeking after the riches of this world. But thank God 
There are some who believe and who will most certainly believe and be saved. And these are those whom God chose in eternity by his grace. And so let me encourage you, Christian friend, today to continue on in your walk with Christ and in your service to him and in your labors for him and especially gospel witness and gospel efforts. Know that it's not in vain. And there's another application that that we should make to ourselves and that is to keep a careful watch over our own hearts. As the wording here in in Hebrews 3 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Let us make sure that we persevere and that we bring forth fruit unto God. But the last application is to those who are lost. And these texts that we have looked at here today come as a a searchlight and a probe into your soul to consider this question, what effect has the gospel had on you? As long as you remain in unbelief, your hearing of the gospel is in vain. It's a waste. It's to no purpose as far as your benefit is concerned. So I urge you not to hear in vain. Don't let your opportunity be wasted. Don't let my labors for your soul be in vain. Don't let the labors of others who pray for you and care for you and work with you be a waste. I don't know of anything any more sad and any more heartbreaking than to say this person heard the gospel and didn't believe it. And so as far as good to their soul is concerned, it was a waste. But it gets even worse than that. Hearing the truth of the gospel without believing it and without believing on Christ augments your guilt. Our Lord taught us, unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. That servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten, not with a few stripes, but with many stripes. 
And so God has a right to expect more from those who hear the gospel than from those who do not hear it. And those who hear it and remain in unbelief have no excuse for continuing on in their sin. If that describes you today, my friend, I urge you to turn from your sin, come to Christ. Believe on Him. Even now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, do Your work in our hearts, in every heart here. Encourage saints who labor on And help us all to examine our own selves to see that we do believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that we do continue and walk with Him. Bring forth fruit from us all, we pray, for Your glory. Let none here today hear in vain. Speak to every heart, we pray according to our individual need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.